We're going to start on page 437. We're continuing what we did on Monday, which is we were talking about the idea, the differences in names of Hashem. We have Elohim and we have the yud vav name. And these names represent different qualities. And Paro himself actually is alluding to this when he says, I've never heard of this, this God. He heard of the other God, but he hadn't heard of this God. The Egyptians' disbelief, on page 437, number five, the Egyptians' disbelief in the manifestation of Yerhei experienced by the forefathers, derived from their view that divine revelations are haphazard events and cannot be invoked at will. This is analogous to a place where there is only one man among us who has ever seen the sun. He has taken note of where it shines and how it travels through the sky. The rest of us have never seen the sun, and instead we live in the shadows or under cloudy skies. We then note that his house has more light than our houses. This is because he knows how the sun travels and he has installed windows and skylights accordingly. We also note that his plants thrive more than ours. He tells us that this is because he knows about the sun. But we dispute him by saying, what is the sun? We know all about light and its many benefits, but light only shines upon us haphazardly. He responds by saying, light comes to me however and whenever I need it, because I know its source and how it travels. Therefore, I make provisions for its entry. I place the things that need the light in their proper place, and I carefully schedule my work for the times I know coincide with the light. In this way, I do not lack any of its benefits, as you can plainly see. And the analogy being that the Jewish people knew how to access this relationship and divine revelation from Hashem at will. Not at will, but you know they knew how to build the building blocks to make it potentially possible to have a divine revelation. As opposed to divine revelation, others were thought is, has always been a haphazard idea. The name yod is also conveyed by the word face, as in my face will go, and if your face does not go. This was what Moshe requested when he said, may God please go in our midst. So the idea of the face of Hashem, you guys may have noticed that that conversation between Moshe and Hashem is this very odd conversation where Hashem's like, my malach will go, no, I want you to go, but I want my face to go, not my face. Hashem is not a person. What do you mean a face? What exactly are we are we referring to? Right. So the idea of, of yod hey is this deeper idea of, of Hashem, a deeper relationship with Hashem, as opposed to Elohim. Elohim is a, a relationship of Hashem with all of his creatures, right? But Yerei Bave is a relationship that has this very, very unique aspect and element of how he's communicating with the heart of the of the creation, so to speak, which initially was Adam, then became the Jewish people. So what, what Moshe was asking for is some very high level of distinguishing of the Jewish people due to divine relationship. And that's what he was asking for. He said, let your face go with me. The idea conveyed by Elohim, on the other hand, is something grasped by logic, I, the intellect. I didn't, I didn't understand. Uh, I didn't understand. I remember that Moshe asked him, show me your face, and then he only showed him his behind, right? Or something like that. So I don't understand the analogy here. So then, then he also said, I, I want you to travel with us. After Moshe, Moshe gets forgiveness for the Jewish people, he says, Hashem, please travel with us. And Hashem says, no, I'm not really going to travel with you, right? I'm going to send the Malak with you. Then he forgives him a little more. And he says, please travel with us. He says, right? you should go in front of us, right? And Hashem says, no, I don't want to, right? Then there's back and forth. And what's all this, all this about the face? Right? So it's some higher level. It denotes a higher level of divine communication with the Jewish people especially, right? That Moshe really wanted to continue on. Hashem said, no, that's not going to continue on. Okay. The idea grasped by Elohim is something grasped by logic. The intellect dictates that the universe has a ruler and organizer. 
People differ in this as to how exactly to portray this ruler, each according to his own logic. The most accurate depiction is that of the philosophers. The insight of Yudhei Bavhe, however, is not something perceivable by logic, but by prophetic vision alone. With this vision, a person becomes transformed, almost departing from his species and becoming part of the angelic species. He acquires a different spirit, as it says, you shall change into a different person. God gave him a different heart, a spirit adorned, Amasai. The hand of God was upon me, and a willing spirit will support me. The word spirit refers to the Holy Spirit that adorns the prophet during prophecy. It also refers to the spirit of holiness that rests upon the Nazarite and upon someone who is anointed either for the priesthood or the monarchy at the time that the prophet anoints him. It can also refer to any time that God comes to the aid of the king or a Kohen and guides him in some way, or when a king becomes privy, a Kohen becomes privy to hidden knowledge after consulting the Urim and Tumim. Right? So this is a, the, the Holy Spirit, so to speak, a spirit that we refer to, right? This is not the Christian concept. But this is the, the Jewish concept of what it means to have a Ruach HaKodesh, what it means to have a divine communication that is not as explicit as the actual prophecy, but it's a little bit of a lower level of divine communication. When a person reaches this level, all prior doubts that he may have had about God fall away. He scoffs at the logical arguments that he used in the past to apprehend God's mastery and unity. He becomes a servant who craves the one he serves, and because of his love, he is prepared to lay down his life. He appreciates the pleasure of attachment to God and the injury and pain of being distanced from him. This is the opposite of the philosophers, who view the service of God as merely being the ethical and truthful declaration that he is above all other creations, in the same way that they view it proper to declare that the sun is above all other visible objects. They believe that the only thing wrong with denying God is that it is indicative of an inferior soul who wishes to lie. Okay, So that's the difference between the philosophers and and um, and the, the nature of a religion. So the philosophers, in a very very cold, lack of um, enthusiasm, in a very emotionless type of idea, if God is the idea, God is above everything, and therefore, if God is above everything, then we ought to serve God. But it's a very logical, cold, calculating. I don't want to cast dispersions on anybody, more engineer-like in its approach, right? As opposed to the idea of recognizing the emotional relationship with God, that a true connection with God on the highest level, it engenders this very, very deep sense of love, right? And, and the Rambam famously describes the love that we could have, the love that we can achieve for God. He uses terms that are akin to, uh, you know, a, a love-struck, youth right for first uh the first fell in love right that that's the terms that the Ramam uses because indeed that is a potential but that potential only exists when we recognize that there is a actual relationship with god and not just god is the highest of all beings and therefore we ought to serve him on a logical from a logical perspective but rather that we have this very very unique relationship it's very difficult for us to reach that recognition it wasn't difficult for a prophet once the prophets have come and reveal to us the nature of that relationship and how much God loves us, then it becomes possible for us to also develop this relationship and love for God that we feel lovesick. And when God is away, so to speak, the, the reason that we're in pain, let's say in the time period right now, the reason why we're in pain because we don't have a, the base on Mikdash, the reason why we're in pain is not because we don't get to bring offerings, it's because we don't have the presence of God. The idea of saying, oh, we don't need to fast on Tishapav anymore. The Jews are now once again in their national homeland is, is incredibly foolish because it's the pain that we feel God is not present with us to the extent that he could be present with us.
that's that's what we're missing. That's what we mourn during during the three weeks. And that's the idea that can only come about through having a divine relationship that is not just a logical, abstract relationship, but also has this emotional sense as well that can only come about with divine revelation. Okay. I didn't understand the last sentence. The last sentence I just said? The last sentence that he wrote here, uh, the only... They believe that the only thing wrong with denying God is that it is indicative of an inferior soul who wishes to lie. What does that mean? A soul that wishes to lie. Is so it lie down it, or lie like not tell the truth? No, no. What it, what it means is to not tell the truth. What it means is to not recognize reality, right? For for a prop, for a philosopher, one of the worst things that you could possibly do is deny reality, right? That that for a philosopher would be like would be like you know a terrible terrible sin, right? So that, that's what they mean is that it, it is indicative of an inferior soul who just denies reality. 